Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Hello, hello. Welcome to Why Not Me, turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. This is your host, Coach Todd Halls. I'm super excited to be here. So grateful that you're tuning in and listening today, and I'm excited to introduce our guests today. Uh, John Sanders and Les Hughes are with us, and John and Les are the co-founders of Entrepastors, and they're the co-hosts of the Entrepastors podcast. John and Les have come together to empower pastors to maximize their God-given talents to take better care of their families and become better pastors in the process. So with that, I'm going to ask John to fill in any additional information he'd like you to know before we go much further. John, welcome. Man, uh, thanks so much, Todd. We're grateful to have the opportunity to be on the show with you. And I don't really have much more to add to that. We are passionate about pastors. We're passionate about the church. But one of the things we see in uh, pastors today is that many are struggling financially. And so we we are thrilled to help set pastors free financially as they show up in the marketplace as prosperous entrepreneurs. So that's really what we love to help pastors do is what we love to talk about. So again, thanks for letting us be here and share with your audience today. Cool. Thank you for being here. So is how long has this been an issue where, where, where the pastors are have these financial struggles, would you say? I don't know if I can pinpoint an exact timeline in terms of It's about of 30 AD. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how far back do you want to go? Well, Let's go. Yeah. I would contend, though, it's, it's kind of a modern thing. And what I mean by that is I think it's a fairly modern thing where we have created the full-time professional pastor. And I'm not saying that all of that is a bad thing. There's certainly a lot of good that has come with that. I certainly believe God calls you know, men and women into ministry in various capacities. Um, but where we see this idea of a full-time employee of the church, I think in relatively modern history, we've seen that model produce some results that are not always the most healthy for a pastor. I mean, we could get into some of those if we wanted to, but I, you know, I've grown up in a pastor's home. I've served as a pastor. So I've been in and around pastoral ministry my entire life. And so I can say for at least the last 43 years, this has been an issue. <laughs> so how at what point, what was the trigger for for you? Actually, Leslie, if you want to answer this one, like at what point, yeah. what was it where you just put your foot down and said, I got to do something? Yeah. Well, I've been entrepreneurial in 
you know, in nature since I was a kid. Like I, I did do the lemonade stands and the car washes and all of that. But along the way, just as John mentioned a moment ago, we sort of are, uh, we have good intentions. Our intentions are, hey, we want to trust God for our livelihood. We trust him, whatever he provides, we're going to find a way to live on that. Um, but there's also a sense that it all belongs to God, right? So there's no ministry and marketplace in the in scripture. There's no uh, secular and, and sacred division in scripture for a Christ follower. It all belongs to God. So specifically where that really what began to be a pain point for me is when I was serving in a particular ministry where um, income specifically was used as leverage in my life. And and I was really sort of behind the eight ball, pretty much completely vulnerable. And uh, that church, because of God's generosity to all of us, took care of me and my needs. But when leadership began to get sideways and there was leveraging and positioning and disagreements among leadership. And I know that's hard to believe that that would ever happen at a local New Testament church, but it did happen. And again, well-meaning people, but that was then used against me as leverage. And I had very little say and very little control over that. And so when that happened, I didn't, um, you know, blame anybody else for that. That's on me. And so I determined then that, you know, it was between my relationship with the Lord and what I felt like he was leading me to do, I had the capacity to go out and create other streams of income the way that many people do. And so it was then that I decided that I would do that. And I could still use my gifts and abilities and talents and skills. Um, So I did and began to create these other streams of, of revenue still as a pastor of a local church, we we still are. Uh, John still serves the church where he and his family attend, and I certainly do where I attend. So we're not we're not ticked off at anybody. We're just doing more and and expanding uh, the stewardship of our life. Todd, if I can share my answer to that question, um, you know, for me, I grew up in ministry, so I, I I came from a family where I watched my parents struggle financially my entire life. So that was always there. And then as I got into pastoral ministry, you know, I had a long run in that place of being a full-time, you know, professional pastor where that my one single income comes from the church. My issue wasn't so much where less and many other pastors have been where they find themselves maybe at at the wrong side of a leadership issue where where they're being threatened to have their income taken away, you know, being fired from a job or something like that. With me, the frustration began. We were in a church that was growing, and we grew into six different locations spread out over multiple states, and yet my income never got above a certain level. And I wasn't upset about it because when I compared that to where other small-town rural church pastors are at, I was like, well, this is pretty normal for small-town rural church. But man, if you were to take that out into the marketplace and, and be a CEO of a of a business that's growing into six different locations, like your income would be directly associated with that. Like you would see that. Well, the story advances. We went through a really difficult season as a church where just due to some multiple factors are and nothing like really super negative. It wasn't like a church split, but we saw our church finances take a huge hit to where that 
very moderate salary to begin with got cut very significantly. And I just got done with it. Like I am done struggling financially. I'm done being in that place of, you know, worrying every time we're at the grocery counter checkout, you know, is there going to be enough money to cover our grocery expense here? Um, And then with the coaching that I've done over the years with pastors and the many, many conversations I've had, I've just come to realize this is where the average pastor is living. They're, they're overworked and they're far underpaid for the work that they're doing. And, and I'm done with that. I'm ready to help some pastors achieve financial freedom um, through something entrepreneurial they're doing out in the marketplace, in addition to pastoring and, and being great pastors. I want to help them thrive financially. So that's kind of was my uh, why behind me getting involved in all of this. Cool. I love this conversation. So I'm on the flip side. I'm in the marketplace and um, entrepreneurial and have been for since 99 started our first business. And for a lot of years, I struggled with this sense of trading time for money. Um, and then through CBMC, Christian Businessmen's Connection, I got enlightened to this business as ministry. And so being a pastor in the marketplace, mm-hmm. um, so it's just kind of a reverse of what you're, what you're talking about. Um, and I hadn't really thought of it from, from, from your angle before. Um, I've, I've got close relationships with some pastors and I can remember a friend of ours saying, look, my son is, I think he was 21 at the time and is new in this particular field and he's making more money than I am. And I've been leading a church for, you know, 30 years and it, it, it was just, it's a hard place to be. So as you guys are, as are going, going out into the world with this into the pastors in the marketplace, what is the general response from the pastoral community? I would say on a, as a whole, it, this message resonates with many pastors. The average pastor doesn't, you don't have to convince them too hard to recognize <laughs> that they're not doing very well financially. This yeah. is normal for pastors to be in a place financially where they're not really able to take their families on a nice vacation like ever. They're they struggle to pay some of the basic bills and necessities of life. You know, retirement is not really something they're thinking about. Again, it back to what Les said, it's we'll just have faith that when that time comes, we'll we'll figure something out, but they're not really actively building any assets or wealth for the future. And that's normal pastoring for the majority of pastors. Certainly there are exceptions to this. Um, but so for most pastors, our message resonates. We find some that don't love what we're talking about, and that's totally fine. Like we're not here to convince a pastor that they should go out and start a business if that's not their desire. Uh, this is for those that are already convinced. I'm tired of living the way I've been living, and and if it's okay for other people to go thrive in the marketplace, I ought to be able to go thrive in the marketplace as well. Yeah, it's a great question, and the answer really depends upon what the frame of reference is, like what, what's the baggage. So for example, when a pastor kind of comes up through church life, the way that John and I did, and maybe had a particular mindset about what it means to be in ministry and rely upon the church family and the generosity of the church members to really determine what that salary is. And we start talking about some of the things that we're involved in, they love it. A lot of them love it, but it's still, they have to get over some 
mindsets that they have where like they have permission from God and from themselves or from others or whatever. But here's the thing, Todd, when somebody comes from the marketplace and is called from the marketplace, say into ministry, what we're finding is most of them have no mindset deal at all. It's just like, Hey, this is, this is what they do right there. We have one pastor friend that we know, and he just was almost to you and me, it would seem a little bit naive almost like to hear that somebody would have a problem or a pushback with just getting out there and being successful in the marketplace. They're like, what, <laughs> you know, so it really depends upon what the mindset is going in. Yeah, it's interesting. So I, I shared with you the, the, the pastor, one of the ones that I've known a long time and he, uh, whose son, he, he eventually, he did leave full-time ministry vocational. Another pastor that, that I grew up with, went to the summer camp with, uh, also did. Um, so I've seen that side of it. Uh, a pastor that we had in, in Pensacola and Pensacola beach. we when we first discovered this church, we'd gone up for a cup of coffee and the coffee shop was, um, was owned somehow. There's some uh, relationship with with the church, so they were using that to help mm-hmm. to help fund and pay for it. So doing exactly what you're talking about. Um, how? But you also mentioned something a little bit ago, John. I think you said you know a lot of these they're they're underpaid. They're certainly overworked. So how do you introduce this? Look, we know you're overworked, and and we're going to help you start a business. Yeah. It seems to be at odds. <laughs> That's such a great question. I love answering this yes. question because it does seem rather counterintuitive, right? To speak into a group of people that are already burning the candle at both ends and doing too much as it is and then say, hey, here's an idea. Let's let's help you launch a business. One of the things mm-hmm. I love about this, Todd, is that it forces an issue that needs to be forced in, in so many church settings. It's one of the problems of the full-time pastorate. Again, nothing wrong with a pastor that is gets one income source from the church alone. But that model basically makes it easy for the rest of the church to sit back and go, Pastor, you do all the work. We'll show up on Sunday for an hour and watch you do the work. That's why we pay you. You are our full-time hired hand. You're our employee. And that's not a biblical. That's not even close to biblical. Ephesians 4 says that the reason God gave leaders to the church was for them to equip the saints for works of service. So when a pastor is out in the marketplace, in addition to leading the church, it forces that issue of them saying, okay, I can't be a doer of everything in the church. I need to become an equipper and I need to pour myself into leaders that can equip other leaders. And when, once we start doing that, you'll find that there's actually margin in your schedule to go do other things. Mm-hmm. We all have 24 hours in a day. And I would contend the average pastor doesn't need to be giving 12 to 14, 15 hours of each day to the church. Like if they're doing that, there something's not right, especially if they're getting a massive, you know, $35,000, $40,000 salary for those types of hours. Something's broken there. And so we want to help pastors get set free from that and uh, be leaders in their church, be equippers in their church, and have the margin to also be involved in the marketplace. So what comes to mind is your, um, as you describe that, is the the church as a business, right? And the, and the pastor's the the leader, and he's got to equip other leaders, right? Uh, delegate and elevate, essentially, bring other people up and say, "Look, this is this is what you're going to do." But but essentially, uh, um, getting a it seems getting a framework in the church to operate as a business, so that uh, they can 
know whose responsibility is what and give that pastor some breathing room to just step back and kind of guide the direction of the church without always having his hands on the on the oar. Is that mm-hmm. is that kind of step one? Yeah, 100%. I mean, and this goes back to Acts chapter 6, you know, as the church was growing and they're experiencing some of those growing pains of the gospel message doing its thing and people coming to Christ, they ran into the same issue, but they came to the realization it would not be good for us as leaders to, you know, wait on tables. We need to give ourselves to to the ministry of the word and, and to prayer. It's not saying that they're above waiting on tables or that pastors are above doing some of these tasks in the ministry. It's saying that's not their role. The pastor has a role and it's not to do all the work of the church. So that's where I love when we have this conversation with pastors. And there's another element to this too, Todd. It's that a lot of times high achieving people find like those are the ones who seem to be getting a lot of stuff done in the world anyway, to where like the average pastor, we think, has the capacity to do this, to have multiple irons in the fire, to do multiple things well. Again, not everyone. It's not maybe it's not for everyone, but the pastors that are in our community that we're working with, many, many of them have the capacity to do more than one thing and to do both well. So I'm going to tie this to 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 the broader audience because if that's the case for pastors, then somebody that's in a full-time job, whatever it is, and, and they're thinking, man, I wonder what else I could do, but I don't seem to have the time or whatever. Like what you're talking about could apply to, to really anybody that wants something more uh, out of out of their their time commitment to their talents, whatever. And hopefully as we as we continue the conversation and you share with us what are some first steps you would have pastors take, listeners. If you're thinking about launching some business, but you're worried about your capacity, this could be a good time to grab a notepad and listen. So with that, um, what are the first steps? Give me some, what are some of the entrepreneurial uh, adventures uh, that you've seen pastors take successfully? Les, you want to take this one? one Yeah. One of the first things that we would do like in, in our audience if you wouldn't mind me giving, we've got a resource for, for your audience. If you'd like for me to give it just Please. to give a starting point, we have Please. people come into our community that ask that question, like where in the world would I ever start? And one of the um, false beliefs that many of them have is we, we hear this a lot is that, you know, well, all I've done for X many years as pastor, and I really don't have a marketable skill. That's false. If they've been leading a church, they certainly do have skills in things like just take take public speaking that 98% or 99% of the world population would be petrified to do. They do very naturally, probably without giving it much thought anymore. Um, uh, Problem solving, management skills, uh, setting a budget, staying within the budget, counseling, conflict management leadership on and on and on. So what we've done is put together a resource for somebody getting started and you can get that free resource by going to entrepastors.com forward slash start entrepastors.com forward slash start. And along with that, we've just for starters listed about 50 possible streams of income that most pastors, if they would just choose two or three, most pastors could do just getting started. That's for starters. And then we have other 
tools and, um, and we can have other conversations about the specific things they can do to identify what those skills and, and gifts and resources are, uh, allow a pastor or help a pastor come up with a roadmap, kind of a success path to go from where they are right now to where they'd like to be in, say, a year or two or three. There are plans to, there are ways to do that. Um, and I know you realize that as well, but that's where I would start. John? Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is uh, we, we in, that, in that document, that free uh, download that we give away, there's some assessment, and we really would walk a pastor through assessing where they're at. And this can apply to anyone who, you know, you don't have to be a pastor for this to apply, but to take an assessment of how am I wired? Like, how has God shaped me or wired me? Because that's going to give us some clues as to what direction we might, you know, have you take some steps in. And, and some people come to us already with a dream or a vision. They already know what they want to do or what they want to create in the world. But for others that may really be at square one going, man, I'd love to have one or more streams of income. I just have no idea where that would come from or what I would build. We would want to take you through an assessment to help you discover some of that about yourself because we believe that it's going to guide you down one of several pathways. We, we offer several different pathways for pastors to consider one broad one is what we call the information-based pathway, and it's this idea of taking a, a, a message or some intellectual property that you have and creating a monetary product around that where you are utilizing that message, whether it's through speaking, writing, coaching, you know, podcasting, blogging, whatever that is, but you're, you're operating, your product is information that you're putting out into the world. Another broad pathway that we talk about is e-commerce. You know, we've got some pastors in our community that are doing really well selling things online like Amazon, eBay, that sort of thing. Another broad pathway that we offer up is what we call the service-based pathway. And that's someone that has more of a tangible, hands-on, you know, service that they're providing, whether it's, you know, landscaping, pressure washing, tree trimming, that sort of a thing. Uh, we also have a number of pastors, Todd, in our community that are doing really well in real estate. So that's another pathway that we're developing as we speak uh, in our inside of our membership community, where we're you know helping pastors learn that skill of of real estate. And there's a lot of different directions you can go there as well. So um, you know that assessment kind of will help you determine one of these pathways might be more you know suitable to me than others. As, as you see the pastors take this journey, um, there's the obvious, I mean, this may seem like an obvious question, but what are some of the benefits of, of, of this diversifying income, multiple streams for them? Um, and if you can go, I mean, more money, right? So, so face value, it's a pretty easy question to answer, but peel back a layer or two, like what are some of the downstream benefits you're seeing over time as yeah. pastors do this? Yeah. And you know what? I would even say, Todd, it's not only the money, but it's what that can provide. You know, money's just, it's an inanimate object. It's not good or evil, but having those resources can provide some financial freedom. So it, it can take away some stress. It can, it will, I think, I think it's better for our witness as we're able to do things for family members where it might create a lot of stress or even debt at some point in life, such as uh, college educations and growing needs for a growing family. Um, 
one of the one of the byproducts though is that John mentioned, for example, the service based path. And man alive, we we have some pastors in our community that have changed the lives with God's direction, have changed the lives of their employees. Think about being able to work for a company where you've got a boss that really does love you and loves your family and provides, you know, a, a generous income and and insurance and things that a, a lot of employers either don't or won't provide anymore, somebody that they can trust them. You know, uh, we ask people sometimes, what if the what if the most generous, kindest, best people in the world were the ones that had the resources? Well, that's a big part of it. And something else that's a byproduct, Todd, is that it gets, it gets pastors who can, if we're not careful, sit in the ivory tower, or at least we're, we're fighting fires all the time within the walls of the church. It really forces the pastor to be out in the marketplace and be salt and light the way that Jesus commanded us to be in the first place. And you can't insulate yourself as much, nor should we, within the four walls of that church context, but we're actually out in the marketplace where the people are who really do need Jesus. Yeah, it's a, that. it's a common refrain we get from the the members in our community that so often they, they're saying many more opportunities for ministry happen out there in their other jobs or their businesses. And I don't know why that's such an epiphany for us, right? It's like, that's where the people are. They're out in the marketplace. So we we see that as a huge benefit for pastors being out there and not just inside their church offices or their church buildings. And sometimes it also, uh, the pastor's ability to go out and earn streams of income from other places takes a lot of financial stress off of the local church, especially if he's brought on board with that understanding. So I I hope a church would never take advantage of that, but it might be that a church can call somebody that's got a higher leadership lid than they would be able to if they had to provide all of that salary or all of the only source of of income where if they're one source of income and can understand, hey, our pastor's got some other things going. It also um, kind of forces, as John mentioned this earlier, but it really forces a person to do better with their time and uh, with their scheduling to where we you don't have as much margin as you might so it, it the more the busier i am i find that really forces me in many ways not to be passive about my schedule but be very very intentional and be a very good steward of the time that i have i'm glad i'm glad Les mentioned that Todd because a minute ago i heard you you talk about you know the others in the audience that might hear this and say, you know, well, where would I find the time to do this? And I just wanted to comment on that. I know we use that phrase, so I'm not taking you to task on that, but I want to call out that phrase of where do I find the time? You're not going to find it. Like we've all, time is a great equalizer. We've all been given 24 hours in a day. And that's what I was referring to earlier when it's like, you can look at some person and see, man, he's got the same 24 hours in a day that I do. And he's, getting so much more accomplished, you know, versus maybe this person over here who's frittering away their 24 hours in a day. So I agree, like part of this is helping our pastors grow in that discipline of being very intentional with their time. And again, it doesn't just have to be pastors. Anyone can do this. 
we can we can take control of our calendar and and really be intentional with the time that we do have. And we can we could go really deep on on that whole calendar thing. Uh, so I've got a I've got a coach that I work with. He's he says there's hope for me. So I'm I'm enthused about <laughs> that. Uh, but it, it's a lot of it is just around this calendar and and you know being yeah. um, really aware of where your time is going. So just a calendar audit, like where are you spending time? Nope. What can you delegate? What can you automate? What can you terminate? Right, and then. As you're looking forward to looking at your week, setting appointments, and it may be as simple as um, 20 minute walk with your spouse, but that appointment goes in there and then you honor it as if it's your doctor, your tax professional or, or your lawyer, right? And if, if life happens, you have to reschedule just as you would with the dentist, you reschedule yep. it. You don't just, you don't blow it off and it applies to business, whether it's, uh, you know, biz dev, outgoing calls, the things that are uncomfortable to do, um, being very disciplined about scheduling them and then honoring that schedule. What are some, what are some, some tips, some, some tricks that you guys would, uh, could give out for somebody that struggles with calendar management? Well, first of all, I would challenge them to have a calendar and to have one calendar and to use that calendar, right. To, to where you are putting your life and it's like budgeting. It's no different than budgeting money. You're going to spend your time or invest your time on paper before you ever do in reality. You're going to look at the week ahead or the month ahead, and you're going to tell your time what's going to be happening in that time, right? Like you're not just going to be in constant reaction mode. This is something we see as pretty normal in pastoral ministry, where if you're just passive, like Les said a minute ago, and you just kind of show up and roll with the punches of the day, you're just going to be responding to one fire after another and reacting and and other people are going to be setting your agenda for you. They're going to be controlling your time. So, you know, have a calendar and start blocking out those high priority items that need to get done and that are about advancing your vision, your dream, the work that God has called you to do. Get that on the calendar. And it's it's holistic. It's not just this little slice called ministry. It's my family, which is my primary ministry anyway, it's my health. It's mm-hmm. all of it gets put onto my calendar. And when somebody wants to come in with their their perceived emergency, which much of the time their definition of an emergency is different than mine, um, I'm like, sorry, you know, I've I've already got a previous appointment, and that's I'm going to be at the gym working out right now, or I'm going to be with my family over the lunch hour, and I'm and no one's getting in on that, and we treat it that way, just like you said, Todd. So. Um, it, it's really just a discipline to grow in and develop. And we, it's something, it's a skill that we get better at over time. I have not always been as, as on top of my calendar as I am right now. If you would have given me my schedule right now, you know, 20 years ago at the start of all of this, I would have crumbled under the weight of that because I hadn't fully developed that skill or that muscle yet, but it's a skill you can grow in. Yeah. Todd, the answer to that from, from my perspective is twofold. One is a core value that I'll be glad to share. And the other is um, sort of a simple hack that I'm sure a mentor shared with me years ago, but it really has helped me over the years. And so it was a game, it was a game changer. It's related to what John just said. So the overall core value is uh, first of all, get over your fear of man. Hmm. Because if someone uh, wants to please human beings, if that's if that's the filter that everything else comes through, then this is always going to be a struggle for you. 
So when someone asks you for an appointment that you know you've got something else planned, they, you don't have to say what it is. Like I would say the language that John used was, you know what, man, I've already got a commitment that hour. And man, don't lie. Make sure you do. But if you do, if it's lunch with your wife, you don't, I, I never say, hey, I've got, well, I, I might, but I wouldn't feel a need to say, hey, I've got lunch with my wife or my son has a little league game during that hour. Could we find another time? Because there's going to be a, a determination of that they might make about priority and about the importance of it compared to their thing. So mm-hmm. what I, rather than go to an explanation, the proper thing to say is, I already have a commitment during that time that I need to keep. Let's find another time. That's number one. Uh, and get over our fear of man. The other is uh, when, when someone, as people do, and well-meaning would approach me at church because that's most of the time that's where they see you, right? So on Sunday, it's Sunday. Hey, pastor, I really need to come by this week and run, bend your ear or get some feedback for something I need to talk to you about, something general like that. Avoid the temptation of bringing your phone out right there when there might be also two or three other people waiting to speak to you, right? Don't try to schedule it right then. And if it means that you got to leave your phone on the, in your seat or on the pew or in your office. I would also have a hard copy, which I'm, I just, uh, I, I still have a hard copy calendar that is not going to be with me on that day. And so I can honestly say, you know what? I don't have my calendar with me right now, but if you'll call me in the morning, call me tomorrow sometime or shoot me a text or something tomorrow, we'll get our schedule out and we'll find a time. A lot of times you'll never hear back from them. I'm not saying that to blow somebody off. It's just that what might be a priority for them or a thought for them on Sunday might not be on Monday anymore or Tuesday. And, and that may just go away. If it's important enough on Monday that they reach back out to you, by all means, put it down. But I'm saying that because that's going to free up some of your calendar. Just that one thing will free up some of your calendar because there will be some people that are never follow up. You see them next week and say, hey, man, I thought you were going to shoot me a text this week. I ah, don't worry about it. That's not a where we. I've just left that, you know, or, or whatever. Or they might say, yeah, I forgot. It was busy week. I'll do it tomorrow. Okay. And, th- and then that's on them. You know, you don't have to chase them down, but that will free up some time in your calendar. So that's a overall thing. And then a specific hack. That's a, that's a great tip for kind of an, uh, call it a, a filter, like an early filter. Like, you know what? Call me tomorrow. And, and I don't know what the percentage would be as I'm thinking about different things that I thought were urgent. Um, Probably half of them just go away by the time Monday morning rolls around. So uh, that, that's a that's a great tip, probably probably for all of us. Can, can um, I give you another one, Todd? Of course, please. This has been a game changer for me, and it started years ago when I was still in a lead pastor role, and and I had multiple podcasts that I was doing. And it's a simple tool like Calendly, and there's multiple scheduling tools. But for those that may not know, that's what Calendly is. It's a scheduling tool. And here's the beauty of that is, again, behind the scenes, I set it up for my schedule. So if I if I want to be available for a certain type of meeting and I only want to meet on Tuesdays, that's when it works in my scheduling. I can set all of that up behind the scenes in Calendly. Then, to, to Les's example, when someone comes up to me and says, hey, pastor, I'd love to get on your schedule. You know, wh- when can we meet? I just send them my link to, to my scheduling thing, and it shows them. I've got Tuesdays from you know this time to this time available, and that does some really powerful things. It 
communicates, first of all, that my time is valuable when they recognize just how much time I don't have to meet with them. You know, they might be under this mindset that, oh, he only works one hour on Sunday. You know, like he should be available for me the rest of the week. He's our full-time employee, right? And they recognize, wait a minute, his time is very valuable. I only see a few openings on the calendar and they, they then will value my time as well. It also can do some really cool things behind the scenes, like adding it directly to my Google Calendar. If it's a Zoom conversation, it'll automate and set all of that up and give them a link to the call. It just automates a lot of things and, again, helps you really get your schedule dialed in where you're like, you know, maybe you have different types of appointments or schedules that you need to set with people. So it has been a game changer for me, and uh, I preach the, the the wonders of Calendly to anyone who will listen. If, if time management is something that you're trying to really get dialed in, that or a tool like that is uh, something you should really give a, a look to. Yep. So I want to um, just kind of double down on part of that, and that's this idea of thinking ahead this, for listeners, uh, what you want your week to look like and and like your ideal week and then truly schedule it. And whether that's in your, your 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 bound day planner that you carry with you or digitally, get your schedule in there and think about what needs to go on there first. And and I my opinion and for me, it's um, my family time, my health time, my faith time. I plug those in first um, and I keep them there and protect them. If I don't, my experience has been work will flood in work will fill the white space on that calendar. Maybe it's not um, uh, the work day, but just little things will, will fill in. And suddenly you don't have the self-care time. You don't have time with the Lord. You don't have uh, time with your family. And when that starts to happen, everybody, bad things start to happen. It, it, it can be a really bumpy journey at that point. So please take what John's saying and let's just say into heart, uh, make the, get a calendar, uh, get the priorities in there and honor it. So as I'm thinking and having this conversation and I'm excited for what you're doing, I'd love to hear your vision for it. Like what do you want to see entrepreneurs become or do or provide? Like what's the impact you want to have over the next five, 10, 15 years and beyond? Yeah, Todd, I'll ask you, and maybe you can speak on behalf of your listeners. Have you ever heard of the term the starving artist? Is that is that a concept you're familiar with? I am very familiar with that concept, yes. Yeah. Well, we uh, at, at Entree Pastors, we've come to kind of coin the term the starving pastor, and our mission is to do away with that narrative because it's a narrative that is alive and well in the church today. It may not be directly spoken out loud much of the time, but the bottom line is, as a whole, the church has become very comfortable with that idea of a pastor that's just barely getting by financially. And our big vision is to change that narrative, is to is to set pastors free to not be starving or living paycheck to paycheck or just barely scraping by. We believe that it's possible for pastors to be completely obedient to God's calling upon their life to do a phenomenal job of leading in the church, but also to thrive in their their life in other arenas, including their finances. And so, you know, if you ask about what is our vision, man, it's it's to help set pastors free in the area of their finances, which will touch so many other areas of their life. And as Les said earlier, it's also going to affect the church. It'll help the church run in a healthier way as we help leaders get healthy. So 
that that's really it in a nutshell. Yeah, and the means that we'll use to do that is that we we do have a a membership community. I mean, as you know, we have our own we have a podcast. There are plenty of resources that are kind of low hanging fruit that we want to offer to everyone. And then for those that want to dig deeper, our vision is to really build a network and a community of people who can celebrate the life that we're talking about. Because what we're discovering is these these people are out there, and there are some of some of them that are being very very successful in the marketplace and in ministry, who would love an opportunity to share those wins and share those successes and even mentor other people. But because it's not, it's not celebrate. This is not something that's celebrated, right? Mm-hmm. You imagine standing on your stage on, on a, on a Sunday morning, if you're a pastor and as you're sharing announcements or during the welcome or sharing wins in your life, you're talking about, and by the way, man, I netted $20,000 when I sold a piece of my property this week. I mean, that's just not going to happen. So we want to give a, a, a safe place for people to celebrate that and teach other people how to do it. So we can introduce, you know, it's, it's, it's who, not what in a lot of cases. And so we want to introduce people to folks that can coach them and, and help, help guide them in that same way. And then we have a, also a mastermind group again for people who want to go even deeper in that, depending on just how far they want to go. So that's the vision of, you know, John talked about the what, and then that's kind of the how. Cool. Cool, cool. So how can we, the listeners, myself, listeners, um, how can we assist you with this? What could be our part in it? Well, thank you for asking that, Todd. That's a great question. Man, if if you would just, if you know someone in your circle or your network if you know a pastor or some, they don't even have to be a pastor, but someone that really has a heart for ministry, but is resonating with that message of like, man, I want to do better financially. Uh, we would love for you to share our podcast with them, share our platform with them. Uh, in some cases, we'd love to have them on the show and interview them as a guest on the show. If you know of a pastor, that would be a good fit for that. So man, just help us get the word out. We'd be super grateful for that. We can certainly do that. I've got a, I wrote down two names that, that come to mind already that I need to introduce to you guys. Um, as we as we head for the landing strip to land the plane, one thing I, I generally ask is, what's one question that you would have our listeners thinking about? One question. Could you be more specific, like how, thinking about how? Sure. So as as they as they as turn off the podcast they're done they're walking away like what's a question that that would serve them to think about um hmm. as they go about their days is, is is it something related to that time management is it a question related to um grander service question related to ministry or being a pastor is it a question related to entrepreneurship okay like what's 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 one question right. they should be thinking about all right, John, if it's okay, I'll go and then uh, I'll buy you a little you bit bet. of time to think How about that. <laughs> you bet. Go ahead. The question that I would ask is, you know, I would, I would encourage everybody to look, you know, to pick a number two to three years down the road and your life is awesome. I mean, you got it like you like it. You get up every day if, with joy, chomping at the bit to get on about whatever the day's business is. 
for you to have, for you to be experiencing that kind of joy in your life, what needs to have happened? Because if I said that to you, Todd, you're going to give me a different answer than John will. So what does it look like? And then once you identify that, what are some of the habits, the daily habits, actions that you could take in order to make that happen? Because what we do normal sometimes is set the goals and they're lofty goals, but we get discouraged because we never we don't know what the actions are that'll help us reach those goals. So I would argue that what's even more important, or at least as important, probably more than setting those right goals, is doing the habits and, and taking action that's going to help you achieve those goals. That's the question I would ask. Cool. Thanks, Les. John, what do you Love got? That. Todd, I'm going to give you two. I'm a little bit more generous than Les, so I'm, I usually outgive him by double. So, um, so I'll give you two where he only came up with one. No, one is kind of related to that. that when, as soon as you said that, I thought, what's your dream? That's my question that I want your audience to, to lean into. What's your dream? I believe God is the giver of dreams. I believe that God puts things on our heart. We all have been created on purpose for a purpose, and much of the time, that purpose is tied into the work that we do. Not always. Maybe there's certain areas of our life that, you know, not every part of our dream ties to our job necessarily or our career. But I believe in many cases it does. That's the sweet spot, by the way. Like when you when you know that the work that you're doing in the world and getting paid to do is, you know, directly correlates with the purpose that God has put you here for, that, that's that's a good place to be. So what's your dream? That I would encourage you to think of that. And then I'm going to ask this for those who are not pastors. I'm going to ask you to consider the question for those that attend church and have a pastor. How's your pastor doing? Like, have you checked in recently? And, and I'm not putting this on you, okay? But if if your pastor, because these guys are out there, listen to me, there are pastors that they, they make a $28,000 salary from their church and they're expected to support a family and, and work full time. Is that your pastor? If it is, I'm not asking you to feel guilty about that, but I'm I'm at least asking you to agree that's not a full-time salary. So let's let's call it what it is. That's a part-time salary and let's encourage our pastor you, you can go do something else in the world in addition to this and thrive. We're good with that. Like we want you to be be healthy financially. We want you to do well, pastor. So how's your pastor doing? I'll just let you chew on that and you know, maybe that'll open the door to some interesting conversations between you and your pastor in the days to come. That that is an outstanding question. I like all those questions, but yeah, just to just to stop and say, "How is my pastor doing?" and 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 take the time maybe to to, to ask your pastor. <laughs> if you do, make sure he's sitting down, or at least be ready to like pick him up off the floor when when his mouth drops, and ha- <laughs> having someone to really ask. Pastor, how are you doing? So that's, that's good, Todd. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Wait, John, Les, this has been amazing. I, I love what you're up to. I'm, I'm so grateful that you are uh, on the show today. For For the listeners that want to connect with you, contact you, what are, the, what are the best avenues, best ways to do so? Yeah, if you just go to entrepastors.com, that's our website. And uh, we also have a free Facebook group called Entre Pastors Connect. So if you search for that inside of Facebook, you'll find us there. And uh, we'd love to connect with you and serve you in any way that we can. Cool. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, This has been amazing. Listeners, uh, especially thank you. I am so very grateful uh, that you took the time to tune in today. 
remember whatever grand vision that you've been given, whatever dream God has put on your heart, you can. Until next time, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful, live life strong. Peace to all. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.